Hello, Low Country. This is longtime ESPN commentator Dr. Jerry Punt inviting you to listen to the Scott Hamilton Show every day right here on 98.9 ESPN Charleston. Because as everyone knows, Scott is a national treasure, even in countries he's never visited. Go figure. Here we are. I, I won't say freaking out. Again, it was week one. I'm not going to go crazy. But we start getting a little agitated. Maybe that's the right word. When we see DJU only throw for 209 yards. We start getting a little agitated. When Spencer Rattler only has 227 yards. When the Gamecocks are only 3 of 14 on third down. We start getting a little antsy. I, I'm wondering how the good people of Iowa are feeling. I know this. First of all, the people of Iowa, wonderful, wonderful people. Got a couple of friends from Iowa. I actually tried to get a job in Des Moines 20 years ago. I wish it had worked out. I'd be very different. I'd be 6'4 and blonde now. But I also know this. The people of Iowa deserve better, man, than uh, 166 total yards and a defense that outscores the offense 4-3. to three. I kept seeing that score, and I'm like, well, somebody just got a double. Somebody just, somebody just uh, advanced on a sacrifice fly. I'm just wondering how much longer this can continue. Let's just jump to the heart of the matter. Join us on the Say Tama Hotline. He's a columnist for the uh, Iowa, Iowa City Press Citizen, also the Des Moines Register. Chad Leistico, welcome aboard. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. Thanks uh, Chad, for having me. Chad, I think you might actually have the job I applied for. I applied for a columnist job at the Des Moines Register. I think it was 2001. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I hate uh, you, I was Chad. actually working here way back then also. I was a copy editor at the time, so I didn't have any hand in the decision, I promise you. I uh, I was way underqualified at that point. Way, way way underqualified and you would have uh you would have beaten me anyhow so it's all good <laughs> hey we're, we're happy to have you aboard chad and I, i'm just going to jump right into the heart of the matter i was reading a quote from kirk ferentz who i love kirk ferentz i'm a fan of what he's done at iowa but he actually has the quote that says i saw a lot of good things out there i am i am questioning kirk ferentz's stability right now as a head football coach work me through what occurred on saturday yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, yeah, uh, two safeties by the defense. Uh, the puncher was the Hawkeyes MVP, and yeah, no offensive points. I mean, the only the only three they got was on a real short field and a long field goal. So, um, yeah, the the offense, um, you know, two point seven yards per play. That's not going to get it done most weeks. They're minus two in turnovers, and uh, certainly against an FCS opponent, even as good as South Dakota State. I mean, that's uh, the number two ranked FCS team in the country very solid fundamentally sound team you know but still you, you know uh the people of iowa as you mentioned <laughs> uh, they're good people but they're they're just fuming this week uh really not happy with what unfolded and uh to your point on on kirk ferentz's comments and i'm sure we'll get into his son the offensive coordinator but uh you know that's a that's a post-game comment we've seen that over you know from the years over kirk he's not gonna he's never going to 
uh, dump on a player necessarily. And I think that quote was about the quarterback, um, especially right after a game. So, um, you know, that, we just actually talked to Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, just like less than an hour ago. And um, he was pretty critical of the quarterback. So uh, I think when they evaluated the tape, uh, they weren't as happy. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think they really were happy at the time, but I think they, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just, you know, to say it's, it's kind of ugly right now and it's, it's bad timing because it's Cyhawk week and everyone's on edge anyway. Yeah, that that is a huge week in those parts. And I, I'm not wanting to start controversy. I'm not trying to fan any flames or anything like that. But I, I want to get your opinion on this, Chad. This isn't uh, – I mean, this game is, of course, uh, very, very rare to have, to have a game play out like that. But I watched Iowa play quite a bit last year, and I was so impressed with Iowa. They got off to, I believe, a 6-0 and start. They got up to number two in the country, had that wonderful win over Penn State. And I'm like, man, this team is really good. But it was something we talked about on this program – Iowa was in the good graces of the turnover fairy. That team was getting an inordinate amount of turnovers in their favor, and they were able to capitalize that into points or at least keep the other team from scoring. But as an offense, Iowa was troubled, and and that ended up being exposed uh, a couple games later. I think Iowa won two or three in a row at one point. At, at what point does they do they need to change the DNA, Chad? Maybe that's the question. This has been the M.O. for so long at Iowa at what point do they say, you know what, we got to tear this thing down and start over? And I'm not saying fire Kirk Ferentz, but maybe plan an exit strategy. Well, I mean, the, the thing that's uh, beyond frustrating to Iowa fans is they've got a championship level defense. I mean, the defense is, is elite. And they've got, they put, when they recruit, they put all their best players on the defensive side of the ball. They build around their defense uh, year after year. That's kind of how. Kirk Ferentz's approach has always been. He's been a defensive coach despite being an offensive line coach. And um, they've got a, you know, a great, great puncher as well. But yeah, so, so that's kind of the frustration. Just like, why can't the offense just, you know, be average, you know? And so, you know, I, I think it's more, uh, you know, the question now becomes, you know, in Iowa is would Kirk Ferentz part ways with his son as offensive coordinator? Because, if things continue like this, um, they're going to have to change the offensive staff. I mean, that's, it's just, it was 121st in the country last year and they, they somehow got 10 wins out of that. <laughs> um, you know, if it, if it gets ugly this year, there's, there's going to be no other choice uh, to make that change. I don't think, but I just don't know if Kirk France will be willing to do that. You know, that's not something he's not going to address that type of hypothetical, but, but that is kind of a dynamic that we're facing here. Um, in every possession on Saturday against Iowa State, which is a really, really good team, uh, solid team, I should say, um, is is going to be under scrutiny. It's just, and it's become a national joke, you know. So um, just how bad the offense is and how good the defense is. I mean, the defense is ridiculously good. Is it a joke to the point that, again, you know the lay of the land much better than I do. I don't know what at all out there, just what – journalists like yourself tell us on this side of the country has it reached the point though where maybe the athletic director needs to step in and offer some kind of show of support maybe not necessarily for Kirk Ferentz but for the program at large well um you know the athletic director here is not very popular either <laughs> so um you know and he's not uh 
he kind of stays out of the way when it comes to football. I mean, Kirk Ferentz, you know, they for better or for worse, and there's been there's been both in Kirk Ferentz's 24 years. So, um, yeah, it's it, week one is such a funny thing because that's we build all we build up to it for eight months, and that's all you get to see on Saturday. And and really, what unfolded uh, for the Hawkeyes was. They ended up in this slugfest um, that I, I don't know if they were quite expecting to be like that. Um, but at some point in the second half, they just had to uh, – they were just trying to, like, win the game. And they their defense was so overpowering, there was just no way that Dakota State was going to score or move the ball. So Ference was – even they were just content to really do nothing and just punt it back to them and have them start inside their 10 every time and – they got two safeties out of it. That was literally the strategy for victory. Obviously, that can't work against Ohio State. You know, obviously the offense has to be better, but um, circumstantially, I mean, week one, you know, it's overreaction week for a reason. Well, I'm not. I don't think this is going to be a great offense by any means, but I, uh, I do think it's not quite as bad as what it looked like on on Saturday. Chad, just one more point I would like to discuss with you. I want, I want to get your take on this. I, I have been the, of the belief that Nebraska would be just so well served if it would emulate Iowa. And by that, I mean know who you are. Know what your ceiling is. Know the kind of player you have to get. The kind of player you can get. Bring them in. Let them grow old. And then go out and win games however you can, when you can, where you can. And and I think that's a wonderful way to play. And Kirk Ferentz has proved it, it works. He knows his athlete that he can get. He knows they have to get older. And he knows they're going to win ugly games. But I also think it's to the detriment of Iowa that they may be accepted a little too quickly as far as where the ceiling is for the football program, that, yeah, they can compete for the Big Ten West, but not for the Big Ten as a whole simply because of the limitations that come at being at Iowa, geographically, historically, and all that. What's your take? No, I think that's you're, you're on the, the right page in terms of where the fan base sits because they see that he does know how to um, you know, create a great defense and great special teams, and they build around those things. And, and you know, you you just feel like you're an average offensive away from competing for a Big Ten championship, just like Wisconsin has done a lot of years. I mean, <laughs> you know, they have Jonathan Taylor, that helps, but um, that, you're exactly right. And so that's where the frustration, I think, can be. Um, that said, you know, the last time Iowa played Ohio State, it was way back in 2017, they beat, they beat Ohio State, uh, which was third in the country, 55-24. So, they've, you know, it's a, it's a program that, that often does step up in those big games. Um, it kind of you know relies on kind of chip-on-the-shoulder type of mentality, but I agree. Uh, why not, especially in the world of NIL, why can't they take that next step on the offensive side of the ball? They've got two of the three phases figured out. Uh, that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a sticking point, and I don't think it's uh, – I think that's a very fair question. And, and, Chad, my last question for you is, what's the temperature in Iowa with regards to the way the Big Ten's going to look in a couple of years, USC, UCLA coming aboard, perhaps a couple more? Well, I think they're going to go to divisionless play uh, in a couple of years, so that's going to make it uh, interesting and probably more challenging in a way for Iowa to get to the top because right now they're in the weaker division in the West Division. So they get, you know, last year they made the Big Ten title game against Michigan and it didn't go well. 
Um, they got to the Big Ten title game one other time and, and lost in the last minute. Otherwise, they would have been in the playoffs. So, um, it, yeah, that'll be interesting uh, when USC uh, comes aboard for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, at the same time, with the playoff coming, you know, you, you don't have to win the conference to get into the playoff. You might be able to be just uh, the fourth best team and go ten and two, and you might have a shot. So, um, Big Ten. I'll, uh, I think the Big Ten is, is in really good shape for the for the future and um, should be fun. I actually can't wait for the playoff era. He's Ted Lice to go. Good morning, Register and the Iowa City Press Citizen. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad Lystico. Chad, excellent stuff, brother. And look, I, I can maybe give you the name of some good online therapists if this continues because <laughs> I I once had to endure a Wake Forest Virginia Tech game that ended 0-0 zero to zero in regulation. That's right. I was there, bro. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over do you, it. Man. Uh, do you know that uh, the last time Iowa won a game without scoring a touchdown was back in 2004? They beat Penn State six to four. Uh, it was uh, so in, before Saturday. So it just goes. I mean, Iowa's just involved in two safety games all the time. Is all I'm saying. God bless your heart, Chad. Hang in there, buddy. <laughs> I, I hope we have you on Thanks. again soon. We'll talk about a 40 point explosion. Exactly, yeah. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, it's Chad go. Other Des Moines Register. Follow him on Twitter at Chad go. I did. I, I made it through a Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and we've all seen the meme of Frank Beamer with his hands over his head. I was at that game, and it was 0-0, zero to zero, and we're all sitting there. We're in the media center, in the press box, and we're just like, oh, my gosh, this is painful. And we're sitting there thinking, this is going to set football back 10 years. And and looking at it now, I think this Iowa game, this 7-3 Iowa win over South Dakota State might have been more damning with regards to the evolution of offensive football. Two safeties. Their strategy, according to Chad, was literally punt it so that the offense couldn't screw it up and then get a couple of safeties. Lord, that's like Beamer. That's like Shane Beamer saying we're going to win by blocking two punts every game and taking one of them in for a scoop and score. Just throwing that out there. Stick around. More of the Scott Hamilton show to come.